Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. This is episode number 102 with our guest, Gabriela Masala. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing. Hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Hey there, guys. Thanks for joining us. You're tuned right into the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. I am your host, Josh Carey. How would it feel to empty out and move past your own conditioned programs and to clear out old habitual ways of feeling, being, and doing? Our guest today has created a portal through which you can indeed meld with the quantum field in infinite creativity to achieve a glorious life that you may never even have imagined. Meet Gabriella Masala. Her everyday magnificent practices to activate an unlimited life is deceptive. It looks just like a really fun workbook, but in fact, it's a remarkable creative system for opening yourself up to your fullest greatest expression of what your soul and that source field has in mind for you. Everyday Magnificent is designed to lead you in co-creative, super-conscious exercises that unleash the power to manifest whatever wants to come forth. It takes you out of your conscious, analytical mind so that you are not bound by what came before and you are open to what may be a renowned yoga teacher and instructor in mind, body, spirit modalities. Gabriella was a founding member of the Deepak Chopra Center for Wellbeing and a movement therapist for Canyon Ranch Health Resorts. Pretty impressive credits. Help me welcome Gabriella Masala. How are you, Gabriella? I'm wonderful. Thank you. Great to be here. Excellent. So great to be here too. Now, as I said, I... I'm, I'm so into this because I used to be in a different place that I am now, and I had to sort of work through this, make those changes, get out of my own way, um, uh, sort of figure out how to change that story that I sold myself that was just not serving me. And um, I discovered the quantum field along the way. And I'm fascinated by it. I love it. I want to start there because I know you talk about it. Uh, let's, let's orient our listeners. When we're talking about the quantum field, what in the world is that? That's a great question. And so I want to start by first bowing to the mystery 
that what I'm about to say is just my current direct experience of that. And that that's really for each of us to explore and have for ourselves. So um, the quantum field is a unified field of energy. And finally, science has caught up with what mystics and the indigenous and ancients have always known, that we are not actually matter in a world of matter, that we are actually energy in a world of energy. And that at a certain point, the energy waves slow down enough that particles emerge and physical matter appears. But that even beneath the surface of what appears as physical matter is just waves of energy. And so the unified field is that unified quantum force, source, energy that we are all one in. I love what Thich Nhat Hanh says about that we're not actually individual beings or separate beings, but that we're interbeings, right? So there's the sense of when I'm connected beyond the mind of separation or the analytical mind that is run mostly by fight or flight or fear or control or measurement or separation, and I'm connected to the quantum field, I'm connected to that force and source and mysteries that some might call God or spirit, of oneness and wholeness and unity where i'm connected to everyone and everything and so in the quantum field all information as knowledge and wisdom is available right all um, timelines are available all potentials are available so that rather than being this one little speck of a narrow reality that we might call um, myself we're actually connected to this whole quantum field of being. It's a whole different playing field. And part of the, the entry point to that is the heart, is love, is gratitude. So that that's a very different frequency wave than the wave of separation, of control, mm. of fear. So that's enough for now. Yeah, for now. And, and I love that you brought up um, separation because I spent all of my life, so much of my life, feeling isolated, feeling separate, individual, removed, feeling that nobody gets me, nobody understands me, that whole thing. Um, is, that what you've, is that what you identify is a source of, let's call it frustration, in, in, in a lot of people, just that they feel that they are separate and removed from the whole, which is just not the case. Yes, yes. And I would say that that is um, what I consider the lie of separation. And that when we look at our worldviews, you know, there's so much that we don't know before pre recorded history. But when we look at our dominant worldviews, it's really been. Uh, Newtonian based, right? So Newtonian based science. I love that these days we can look through the lens of spirituality, through the lens of science, through the lens of psychology, systems of everything. When we look at Newtonian science, it says we are separate beings in a world that's separate, in a world of matter. But our, our deepest hearts know that that's a lie, right? And so quantum theory of reality says, no, this is all one whole system. We're actually not separate. You know, we are one interbeing. We are, we are one. It's not just a kind of Pollyanna new age idea. So for those of us that know and remember 
Like this is supposed to be what life is like. It's not supposed to be this mentally generated, driven life of uh, very limited bound ideas of achievement and success that are mental. It is, a, we are whole beings. We have all of this emotional intelligence. We have all of this energetic intelligence. And so there's the sense of if we believe, wow, I'm separate and that's all there is, like that's, that's not what life is for. You know, life is not to like be the best individual you can be. Um, so I'm going to pause there. Yes. Got it. Um, I, I love in your, in your workbook, Everyday Magnificent, uh, you, you, like I mentioned in the intro, you, you, you help us clear out the habitual ways, the old ways of feeling, being, and doing Right now, there's something specific about those three words. Uh, perhaps you can touch upon that. But what is the entry point? How do we begin to clear out those old ways? Because like I said, I have, I have experience in that. I sold myself that story for a lifetime of my insufficiencies and went out into the world. And when you believe them, you find and attract the people and circumstances that are all too happy to help you validate them. And that's what happened until I slowly but surely realized uh, I need to question this because I, I knew deep down every moment of every day, I knew that I was capable of so much, but I hid that, thus the brand, hidden entrepreneur. Um, and that's where the anger and frustration and conflict came because I was like, why am I showing up this way? This is crazy. I could, I could do what they're doing. I could do better than what they're doing. I want to do this. But then I'd go home and sit in the corner and wonder why nobody likes me and why am I living this way and what is life and, and here we are. So talk to me about the entry point to changing those habits uh, and then a feeling, being, and doing. Right. I'd say the entry point is really waking up from the lie, from the from, misunderstanding, yeah. right? So misunderstanding, I think, is a, a, a more kind way of saying, like, wake up from the lie of separation. Like, it's been a misunderstanding that, that there's anything keeping us from the wholeness of the bounty of the the beauty, the power, the love, the excitement of what we know in our own deepest hearts by our own definition of what is possible in this life, right? That's our unlimited nature, the part of us that knows that there is so much more than any mental loop or belief system that I might tell myself or that my culture told me or that some experience that uh, latched into me as trauma told me, right? To get beyond the places to then start waking up to hearing our own inner dialogue. And I think that's part of why meditation is so powerful. To really starting to get present on what programs have I been functioning in? What emotional, habitual ways of feeling and thinking have I become so um, programmed into believing that I'm running them all the time? every day. I think it's Dr. Joe Dispenza, who is one of my dear mentors and teachers. Fan. About, yeah, how um, by about the age of 33, over 90% of what we're thinking and feeling and doing is the same exact program, right? So to really, to get curious and to wake up, um, I think the entry point is also to wake up with love, 
right? Yeah. Because if I wake up with a sense of ridicule or shaming or blaming or feeling not enough, that's not going to really fuel me into being the most awake and whole being possible. So that it's a wake up that happens with a loving compassion of, I know I can do better. I know that there's a bigger life for me. I know that there's a different way to approach this, this inquiry of who am I and what is this life for? Yeah, that's exactly where I am today. And I get it. I'm seeing it. I'm living it. I'm living, breathing proof that it's possible. Um, you know, I'm uh, for, for, for 40 plus years, I didn't. And finally, um, help me understand this. You, you need to do that, but it starts with not only an observation and then being able to wake up from that lie but then it has to be a choice within to, to shift and to change, right? Talk to me about that, because that needs to be there. It's got to be a choice. Definitely, definitely. And some days it's going to be a thousand times choosing it a day, right? So that to really be, uh, be humble and playful, I think being curious and full of wonder as like, this is an adventure. This isn't just, boom, I wake up and then... I, this is the choiceless choice forever, but to really then there's a rewiring, there's a unlearning and a deep program. And then there's a rewiring and really connecting to that deeper vision. What is the new vision you have for your life? What is, I think you've even in your work, uh, pointed clients towards what is that thing, that passion, that joy place that you've known from a very early age, this is your gift to contribute. This is where you light up, where you come to, uh, why are you here on the earth right now? You know, to connect to that passion place that is an internally validated place. This is an inside job. It's happiness, magnificence, awareness, visioning from the inside out. And then we do that work in, in meditation, in prayer, in intention, in life design, in the nitty gritty of how you're moving through your daily life to bring what's on the inside out. Mm. Yeah, and um, to piggyback what you just said, um, the way I look at it, which is exactly what you said, this is a daily, daily intentional practice. Um, I, I treat it much like I'm in recovery, and in many ways I am, right, from that old negative habit, um, which means that it's gotta be intentional and it's a daily, habitual thing, new habits, better patterns, better serving choices. Um, but it's not work. It's not effort. These new happy, healthy, joyful habits and patterns excite me. And I look forward to them because the result feels better because I've made that choice to say, okay, I don't want that because of these strong, powerful reasons, least of which are my two children that I talk about all the time, being that mirror, having shown me uh, because of them, I was able to clearly see more of who I am, thus who I don't want to continue to be around them and with them and for them. And that made it so find something in your life that can help you um, make that better choice. And you should be excited to choose that when you find the thing slowly but surely to replace one by one. You know, it's not an instant thing, right? It takes a little bit of gradual time. Definitely. Yes. And that's part of why I say that Everyday Magnificent, the workbook, it is not my book. It's your book. 
right? It's just a series of exercises and activities and uh, ways to engage a lifestyle where by your own design, you're living a life that is deepening your relationship to the unknown, to your deepest heart, to what you most value, and then bringing it forward in your life in a way that's magnificent by your own design. That there really is, there really is an invitation to be an intimate relationship with all of life. Love it. Yeah. You, um, I, I, I read in the opening, you're a founding member of the Chopra Center of Wellbeing. What is that and how did that happen? Oh, you know, that was um, almost a past life at this point in my 20s. I just had the serendipity of being invited to be part of the um, creative team for the Deepak Chopra Center for Wellbeing in La Jolla, California. Wow. And um, was trained as an Ayurvedic chef. And through that portal opened up into mind-body education and was at the time deeply engaged in an Ashtanga yoga practice and teacher training and Zen meditation. So that was part of the doorway into how I started to really light up to, um, again, being a, an energy being in a, in a multiverse of energy rather than a separate being in a world of matter. Talk to me about today, who you are today, because I know that we're all evolving humans, uh, experiencing a wide range of uh, emotion and experience. Um, how do you handle, process, or deal with those strong negative emotions? Like if you get angry or frustrated or some envy creeps in, how do you, how does it come into you and how do you send it away? How does all that happen? Because this can't be 100% of the time, right? We are, right? We, we, we are all full-fledged feeling beings here. So how do you, how do you process that? Definitely. And I'm going to say too, that I, I want to um, honor the emotional body. I feel like when we are really lit up to our emotional intelligence, and when we start to really light up our circuitry, our energy centers, our awareness of like, who is this in here? What is this? That then there's a sense of the emotional body can really be a source of wisdom, right? So I'd say that one of the most essential practices that I have um, on a moment-by-moment -moment basis, because there's ongoing meditation, there's shifting perspectives, right? But when I get triggered or really, um, as we do, into anger or separation, I'd say that, that it's a pause and an awareness that I've entered the mind of separation. That's part of, in the current day, how I relate to it. That in the mind of separation, there's a you and a me there's a finger pointing, there's judgment, um, there's a good and a bad, a right and wrong. And I can notice that when I've become angry or stressed or out of coherence, I've left the awareness of my heart. And when I can take a moment and pause and come back to the awareness of my heart, often what's underneath anger is tears. Often what's underneath tensions is vulnerability. Often what's underneath this like, uh, Judgment is a place of can I sit back into my own spine and take a few deep breaths and be present with what is being shown. And sometimes it's a torrent of tears. And sometimes I need to, you know, 
um, have a loud voice and have a clear boundary with someone or something or myself in my life. So I think that it's really allowing what is the deeper wisdom that's wanting to emerge and showing up to any moment. I know at this point in my life and my commitment that even the places that scare me, that are uncomfortable, that challenge me, are opportunities yes. to rise to greatness, to yes. come into deeper wholeness and coherence. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, I, I want to talk about your, your upbringing, especially as a very young child, because I know that as early as the age of three, you had a certain insight into what the world was about. Paint that picture for us, please. In my earliest memory, I was in Uruguay, South America, where I was born. My earliest memory is of looking outside at the night sky and all of the stars just so um, brilliantly emanating what I could only describe as a frequency of pure love and wholeness. And I just have this memory of being so held and so loved and so connected to all of life and looking at the stars and feeling like, yes, I came from there and now I'm here and I have a really clear mission here and I'm not separate from that and I'm supposed to be here now. So that's like my earliest memory that has never left me and that has always carried me and my whole life I've had a very open valve to what we might call the spirit world, the energy world, multiple dimensions, seeing beings easily taken into medium states, lots of lucid dreaming. So this has always been my natural awkwardness, right? And, um, and then from a very early age, I just, I just knew that love was an essential energy that was a primary fuel to bring to this life and that this was the adventure in which it would unfold. Did you receive the physical love from those around you? Did they support your newfound knowledge? My parents were, were and are incredibly loving beings. So I was always surrounded by love. Was my multidimensional perspective validated? No, no. I think that's been um, the biggest challenge. You know, you talk about the mask and the hidden entrepreneur, where for me, a lot of my life was, how do I find this, uh, how do I find this coherence, this balance point with bringing forth the best possible genius of what I can bring to life and being a highly functional being in this three-dimensional world that completely invalidates so much of my reality, right? Because I function in a different reality. And so how to like keeping my, uh, my mystical talking to spirits, drinking from the invisible realm, my quantum self kind of in the closet, and then finding a point where it comes together and the part that had to be masked because it wasn't approved comes out in, into everywhere I am now and is my greatest gift and contribution. So as a child, you had to just keep it to yourself and just behind closed doors kind of experience it and not talk about it? Yeah. I mean, you know, still, and even now with how far we've come, I'm nearly 50 years old, but this is not a validated reality 
to be in many different dimensions, to be able to talk to spirits, to have departed beings come in, in sleep and communicate in dream time, to lucid dream. I mean, this is a very alternative reality. You mentioned something um, right there where you said um, it's to be in many different dimensions. Define that for us. What does that really mean? What are you saying? What is that? Um, again, I'm going to bow to the mystery because even words and understanding yeah. are just my direct yeah. experience. That's different for everyone. Right. But to be able to function in a place where there's many different timelines you know, where some would say, um, including many ancient and indigenous wisdom and, and sage seers that we go to sleep at night, we wake up in many other worlds, right? This sense of like how even on a very practical level that I think everyone can relate to is that there's the dimension, there's the three-dimensional life of what we can see and touch, five senses. And then there's the dimension of the heart, right? Where esoteric anatomy would say that in our our solar plexus and our navel energy center it's the eye and the usa is like the eye the rugged individualist perfect archetype but then we rise into the awareness of the heart and it's the we all of a sudden we come into the energetic signature the electromagnetic signature of the heart josh and there's no you and there's no me there's we there's us right and this is why i can feel the love for my mother, even when she's a thousand miles away. This is like the, the heart doesn't know three dimension. It's, it's infinitely dimensional. And likewise, we could relate to it when people talk about the Akashic record, the Akashic library or the quantum field. When we are in those dimensions that tend to be of the higher energy centers, we can access information. We can take our attention from the matter of 3D and put our attention out into the field and suddenly we can receive information, download, intuition that is actually beyond the three-dimensional realm. So that's one way to explain it. Mm -hmm. Another way would also be to say that there are multiple timelines and there are infinite realities. And what we're all agreeing to here in this moment is really just one. Talk to me about that. I love that dialogue. So as much as words can supply, let's, uh, let's go down there for, for a moment. Multiple timelines, et cetera. Yeah. Sure. So as we, and let's keep it practical, right? Fine. We want to know, I always want to know what's relevant to this moment of how we can grow into our best selves, bring our best contribution forward for all humanity. So that when I shift a limiting belief, for example, I enter into a new timeline. I rewire and in a new timeline, you did it, right? So you spoke so beautifully to it and you do it every day. You're not the person that you were 10 years ago, 20 years ago, probably even one year ago. Exactly. So that, there's, that our evolution also steps us into new timelines. If I suddenly, um, touch and, and shift some material that I've been holding in my unconscious. If I intentionally am saying, okay, I want to be more free. I want to be more whole. I want to step into the next level of awesome for my life. Show me, bring it, bring it. What do I need to see and clear? And then it might come in the way of dreams. It might come in the way of emotions. It might come in the way of the synchronicity and serendipity of who you happen to meet and the exchange that, that follows. 
And then from that moment, something shifts, rewires, clears, opens, and we're in a new timeline. And it can look very much the same, but there are subtle differences. And, and the way that, you know, we are in a time that is so exciting on the planet right now. Consciousness is expanding. Timelines are shifting swiftly. And so this is a place where it's a really good time to be unattached to the idea of who we think we are and how we think reality is. Because there's so much possibility that's emerging. And there's so much um, infinite possibility for who we are becoming individually and as a collective. So powerful to hear all of that. And then to hear uh, it's time to shift the idea of who we think we are, because that's what I fundamentally had to do. Um, and I created that impression. I was the one that took on this impression of who I thought I was and then brought it out to the world. Nobody brought it to me that I accepted. I created it. And then finally, I was able to consciously and deliberately alter that and say, wait a minute, if I created that, I can create this. So let me change all this and see what's possible. You like it, you like it. You don't, you don't, but it's all possible. <laughs> and that's what we're talking about. I, I, I just, um, I adore every part of this conversation. Um, I, I mentioned to you earlier, and I want to talk about this. Um, my five-year-old, incredible. Uh, just like my three-year-old, equal love, equal credit. Um, but I had a conversation and I've been having conversations with my five-year-old who now it's time. Now she's starting to understand that um, this gorgeous life of hers is not forever. And there will be a change, meaning it will end and death is now uh, a part of life. And she's now questioning a lot of that. So she's asking me all these very valid questions. And as a father who I, I've learned not to shy away from it, I've embraced that whole concept and I'm still embracing it, still learning about it, how I feel about it, what it means, how to make, make it work for my days here. Um, so I, I appreciate the options to, to engage her in these conversations, but it's also difficult to try to figure out how to make it sort of relevant and, and make sense to her. Um, what's your take on how, how a child processes this and what needs to be said or done? That's beautiful. I'm a parent as well and feel like it's been, what one of my friends says is parenthood is the fast track to enlightenment, if you let it be, right? Um, I let it be. Yeah, right. So I would say that, um, there are some bigger unifying sacred laws that always help, especially with, with children, but with anyone, but with children, obviously keeping it really simple and meeting them in the present moment where they are, right? Almost all the time. Um, and that I love this perspective with children that um, death is not the opposite of life. Death is the opposite of birth, right? If we look, if we're looking at that, that life, this idea, this perspective, that life is eternal, that energy is eternal. If we look at nature, nature is such a beautiful constant reflection of the cycles of, um, of birth and death, of, of, you know, coming out of nothingness, a seed comes into full expression 
it, it comes into fruit, it flower, it comes back to the earth and compost. So that nature is a really benevolent and beautiful teacher of holding life, that life is this continual amazing cycle. And then there's this perspective of like the person, the persona can get very attached to this life. But then the infinite part of our nature, our soul, our, uh, the mystery of the spark of our being, it is infinite. You know, who knows like how many lifetimes it's been around, how many places life exists that we've been on beyond our little spinning rock of earth. So with a child, I really frame it in the perspective of honoring life, of knowing that um, we belong to life, of inviting myself and my daughter into a plane of love, where love is a constant, right? As a law of energy, love, this energetic flow of, uh, again, and I don't mean like a sappy romantic love. I mean this electromagnetic field of love that we all know and feel in our deepest hearts. That's eternal. That is an eternal mm. energy that's always with us. And then there's this embrace of the mystery so that if I could, if I had your daughter, your five-year-old, I would hold her in this field of so much love and affection during those conversations and redirect her to her own deepest heart and also share like, isn't it a mystery? Isn't it a miracle that we're alive together? And let's savor this as much as possible. And I'm not really sure what happens after this life, but there's a part of our souls. We've known each other eternally and we got to be here together now and we'll know each other eternally you know so i would encourage you as you are already doing to bring it back to being really authentic and real and also to letting her be held in the vastness of this miracle you know to not define it for her to hold her in love and let her be in her own unfolding of what it means to be alive so beautiful. Thank you for that. Let's get practical for a minute. In the book, in the workbook, Everyday Magnificent here, um, you have um, a variety of exercises. Um, walk us through one of, your, one of your favorite ones. Oh, that's hard to say, favorite. Um, I would say, let's see. So I'm going to talk you through... Uh, a little recipe, okay? And so I would say that to be able to wake up to the day and as you get to that place where you sit with your journal, whether it's the Everyday Magnificent or whatever journal you use, to take a moment and really drop into your breath, to flood your field with gratitude, all the things you feel grateful for, everything from the simplicity of um, taking a deep breath, feeling the sunshine on my face, the breeze, the, the songbirds, you know, and to really generate from the inside out a state of gratitude. And from that place to even ask, uh, how am I being shown to move forward into this day? And writing maybe what I call, instead of goals, what I call source creation, right? This place of, of what is the deeper guidance that's calling us to manifest, to create, what if I were to give over my priorities that I can to the field and say, 
give me a sense of what I really should be focusing on today to bring some words to that, maybe to write in your journal. Maybe then there's uh, a, a mandala. I love working within the circle, within the wholeness of an empty template of a circle and then putting color and image into that uh, form because even without an agenda, it's a way that it connects the right and left parts of our brain. It creates whole brain coherence. And so there's so much more than the beauty of the analytical talking mind. There's also this power of image and color and symbol that when we marry it to the words, reveals so much more to us. Um, and then I would say, put on some music. Even if it's just one song that just brings you to life and dance and move and get your body shaking and vibrating and your breath moving and to start connecting to what you love and taking that energy into the rest of your day. And like all of this can happen 10, 15 minutes, right? So it isn't about um, taking an hour every day and then having that move into your life with your eyes closed meditation. For me, the joy of Everyday Magnificent and a lot of these activities are about ground first with those eyes closed in your meditation, but then take it into the living meditation of your whole day, right? Another practice I love is pausing wherever you are and getting outside and connecting to the sky in a sense of pause and surrender. Connect to the sky, connect to the the breeze, see the leaves moving in the trees if you can, feel your feet, take a deep breath and like soften your whole belly. Bring your attention to your heart and just pause and empty for a moment and then see how you're moved and redirected from that place. You spoke a couple of times about surrender. What exactly is that? Surrender is, it is the fast track. <laughs> Surrender is, um, again, unique to each of us. So I'll just describe that for me. Surrender is a um, disentangling or disenmeshing or detaching from the mind of separation from anywhere that we are grasping with any idea of limiting or measuring or judging what we think life is. It's a sense of bringing an awareness to where our mind is looping, talking, generating reality, and actually bringing attention away from there to the heart, breathing as if the heart is breathing us for a few moments, bringing then awareness to the belly, relaxing the belly, connecting to the moment, being present in the moment, and relinquishing control. Right? I mean, so much of the mind of separation, the Newtonian model of reality, the lie of separation that all of the systems in our dominant paradigm are based on is very narrow. And so for me, surrender is about moving beyond that narrow, limited focus on matter and mind and expanding into the field of wholeness with the sense of here I am, take me, have me, guide me, lead me. It's a different driver. Surrender is a letting go. It's a different driver that comes in. Does it make sense? Perfect sense. <laughs> My brand, The Hidden Entrepreneur, was, was founded on the principle that I spent a lifetime hiding in 
fear using that as an excuse not to do everything that I knew I was capable of doing. Can you share a time in your life, in your business, where you too were hiding in fear, but you knew you had to work right through that? See, that's a great question. Um, I've never felt fear driven. So, so for me, I think that the bigger perspective where that, that really fits, and, and I feel like fear is one of the, one of the dominant emotions of the mind of separation. So where for me, I would go was a sense of, um, maybe it was a, a fear of hiding because if I exposed, it's like, I'm a star seed. I know that, that we are these like infinite cosmic beings that have unlimited potential. I don't agree with the mass agreement field of our limited thinking that if I expose myself as that, I would just be completely, you know, invalidated, um, told I'm crazy, told I'm not grounded, so that um, I kept myself small. And, you know, for me, the mask was more of like, keep the mystical part in the closet. And it's where I go to fuel. It's my intuitive place. It's where I've always fueled has been that source infinite being, but then interfacing with three-dimensional reality in the marketplace from a more limited perspective. So at a certain point, I just felt like there's only one of us here. There's only one life. There's only one being. And you're going to see what's on the deepest self inside. You're going to see that on the outside. And I'm not going to be afraid of exposure anymore. And from that point on, it's just all continued to unfold. And like I said earlier, my greatest gifts have become what you see is what you get. And so some people will judge me and some people will think I'm crazy and some people will think I'm too far out. And I will say, that's, that's okay. Take it or leave it. <laughs> you know, what you see is what you get. And there's such a sovereignty in that. There's such a freedom in that. And to know that it's coming from love. I'm a love being. I'm here to serve humanity. I'm here for all of us, as many as possible, to awaken at this amazing time in our history. And if I die tomorrow, it's been a good life. Hmm. What mantra do you live by today? Hmm. Uh, wholeness, oneness, unity, love. Show me how to rest into my heart. It's mm. simple, you know, it's a very simple, it's, it's a return to wholeness. What do you believe happens when it's all over, when our time here on earth comes to an end? That's such a great question. And, you know, again, I bow to the mystery. The, the mystery is, for me, there's, there's a, a love affair with not knowing and yet deeply, deeply trusting. So I don't really know. My sense is that um, this being that's appearing before you in this body has been here infinite times on this planet. I don't know that I'll return to Earth. I feel like there, there is a return to an infinite consciousness that's not bound by this body, but is already not bound by this body, right? I mean, even what are we doing with all of that gray matter? What are we doing in all of those hours of sleep and dreaming? 
So we're not bound by a physical body already. What happens after this physical body is done? There's a whole adventure that continues. I feel like life is eternal and infinite. And my soul has such uh, a confidence and trust and love in our infinite nature, right? I think that part of the, the bigger question for me at this point in my life is how can I live so fully while I'm here so that by the time that this body's gone, I know I did everything that I came to this planet to do. Let's wrap this up in a nice, tidy bow. For, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like it. Uh, you see where I'm you see where I'm going. So let's, <laughs> let's wrap this up, you know, a very lighthearted conversation. Uh, but seriously, um, trying to wrap this up. What's the bottom line here? What are we really saying? And more to the point, what should everybody tuning in? What should they now do next? What we're really saying is that it is a powerful time to be alive on our planet. And that as each of us do our own inner work by our own direct experience, not based on anyone else's idea of awakening or enlightenment, but as we each do our own inner dive and really get intimate with who am I today? And what is the current message, mission, calling, heart's passion that my soul, deeper than my persona or my identity or who I think I am or should be, when that voice is given an opportunity to come forth and to shine, it's a whole new life. And so that's what we're doing here, you and I, in this moment. We're talking about that authentic, unmasked, divine being coming into wholeness and experience and expression, whether it's as a parent or as an entrepreneur or as a steward to the earth or as a lover of life by your own definition, but it's about really coming alive. Perfect. I will leave you then with this final question. Gabriella Masala, how would you like to be remembered? I would like to be remembered as a, as a whole love being that just lit up the world with her life. Wow. Well, there you go. Everyday Magnificent. You are beautiful on the inside and the outside. I just adored this conversation, Gabriella. Oh, Thank you I so much. Adore you. you too are beautiful, amazing being. Thank you for this time together. I appreciate it. And I certainly appreciate everybody tuning in, whether it's to the live broadcast here or when this is living in its native podcast format on Apple, Google, or Spotify. If you're there, uh, leave a review. I love hearing your honest thoughts and uh, seeing what you, have to, uh, what you have to say. We're going to say more in another episode before too long. Thank you so much for spending your time. Until we do it again, go get them.
Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.